Welcome to the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast with John Kim and Noel Cordell. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to episode three of the Catalyst Life Coaching Podcast. And I know that that is not a fancy name, but you know in the title exactly what we're going to talk about. And this podcast is all about life coaching. And um, with me is my co-pilot and my sister from another mister, Noelle. Hi, everybody. (laughs) What's up? How are you? I'm doing great. Um, You know what I love about Noelle? So uh, she sent me um, some notes about what we're going to talk about in this podcast, and it's titled Love and Shit. (laughs) Love and Shit (laughs) for the podcast. And this is what I love about that. Uh, It's exactly exactly how I would title this podcast. email if I sent it to someone else that it just she's basically a mirror image of me I don't know how we ended up you know in this life situation where we get to have fun like this but I'm not going to change a thing (laughs) no I I don't I don't want you to change a thing I think that's why um you'll you'll always be the uh the starsky to my hutch or the peanut butter to my chocolates um yeah Anyway, <laughs> fantastic, and I love you too and shit, John. Yeah, love and shit. Okay, so guys, <laughs> we're going to t- okay tell the uh, tell the people what we're going to talk about today and why. Yeah, so there's this really beautiful multi-dimensional concept that we've all heard of before, and it goes by the name of love. And I think so often the concept of love gets stuck. It gets stuck in the fucking Disney fairy tale where it's about one man and one woman and it's this thing that you have to find and if you don't find it, you fucked up your life. And that's really just not at all what love is in a real life context Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, in a physiological context. You know, that's not what happens. We can experience these really crazy, um, what I call micro moments with the bus driver, with your mom, with your best friend, with my dog, George. You know, he and I stare deeply into each other's eyes and motherfucker, that's love. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think, I, I think that love has been dragged <laughs> through commercials and advertising and it's formed a sugar uh, candy coated hard shell and I think we swallow that and because of that we have a false definition and image of what love is and it sets us up for a giant fall because our then our expectations um, which you know isn't what love really is doesn't match reality oh a hundred percent a hundred percent and I and I think too it sets people up with this concept that you know they're faded to be lonely or because their experience of love might not look like a Hallmark card. It's not present in their life. But the reality is that we're surrounded by people and beings every day that if we just open ourselves up to these micro moments of connection, we'll be able to feed our, our minds and our souls. Yeah. And I got to say that, you know, we as humans, um, we are social animals, and without the connection piece, you will instantly fall into quicksand. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, let's just start with friendships, right? You yeah. know, outside of our family, when you're a little kid, 
and you go to nursery school or kindergarten or to the park, that's one of the first things that you learn mm. is how to, to make friends with somebody else. And it usually starts with eye contact. You know, think about a three-year-old. Think about a, a little three-year-old that kind of looks up shyly and smiles. You know, that is a human in a human's purest form um, putting out what we call a bid for attention. And kind of saying with their eyes, will you be friends with me? Um, and, and that's where it starts for grownups, too. And I think we're also stuck in our phones all the time and so fixated on, you know, maybe the picture that we need to post that we forget to make eye contact yeah. with people around us yeah. and be open to, um, to experiences. It's interesting that we live in a world where we have the technology to connect instantly with anyone on the planet at the same time we're also using that technology to hide oh hell yeah and it sets up this false sense of self you know it, like i um i posted a video announcing that we were going to be doing this podcast and the first thing i went to is like oh god you know how are people going to be perceiving me physically right mm. because it's it's like versus, you know, what am I actually putting out into the world or how am I connecting with other people in this moment? And I think that, you know, concepts of technology have, have done that to us in a, in a large way. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, um, I love this quote that you sent me. Can I read it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, this is by Ram Das. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And um, it goes like this. When you go out into the woods and look at trees, you see all the different trees and some of them are bent and some of them are straight and some of them are evergreens and some of them are whatever. And you look at the tree and you allow it, you appreciate it. You see the beauty in it. You see why it is the way it is. You sort of understand that it, it didn't get um, enough light. And so it turned that way and you don't get all emotional about it. You just allow it. You appreciate the tree. The minute you are uh, getting near humans, you lose all that. And you're constantly saying you're to this or, or I'm to this. That judging mind comes in. And so I practice turning people into trees, which means appreciating them just the way they are. Yes. So much. Yeah. I love that. I think there's so much truth in that because I think it's so easy to walk out, uh, go on a hike or go in nature. Uh, and of course, we don't <laughs> judge trees. We don't say that tree is too skinny or too fat or you know, um, we look at trees and we see the beauty in it and we see the beauty and the diversity of the tree. Um, but then of course, yeah, this is when you, when you actually look at humans, there's instant judgment. Instant judgment. Yeah. And, and it, it's a blocker. It's a blocker to connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, so, so you're in LA, I, I was out with you in LA for a while and it was always so interesting for me walking down the street. Like people will almost be like diving off the sidewalk to avoid making eye contact. <laughs> like, and and I, when I first got out there, I was like, what kind of fuckery is this? Like, why are people so consumed with being busy that they can't make eye contact? And so I started playing a game with myself of seeing how many people I could get to smile back at me mm. when I went out on a walk at night. And it was always the grandmas and grandpas out yeah, there yeah, that were the best and the most. And, and I, I remember so distinctly, um, there was a, a next door to where I was staying, there was an, a home, an assisted living home, 
And there was this little woman who sat outside on the bench and she had this scowl on her face and she had her cane and she was ready to beat the crap out of somebody. And I walked by and I would give her a big grin and she changed. Mm. It was like she sprouted and this smile came up on her face and she just looked at me like, thank God for this, you know, micro moment of connection. And I think we're so hungry for it in today's society. Yeah, and it takes courage to actually be the one like you um, deciding to smile at people because, you know, we're talking about L.A. and especially in L.A., um, if, if you if you make eye contact or you smile at someone, they're going to think that you want to be with them or that you want to have sex with them or you want to marry them. And it's like, no, I'm just being human. That's interesting. So let's get into that. You know, like, do you think that as you go through your everyday life, you limit yourself from human connection because you're afraid of what the person on the other end, how they might perceive you? Yes, 100%. Um, really? And, and, I, and I think, and this is what I need to work on. Um, I'm very good at, uh, at uh, being transparent and, you know, sharing my story and uh, wearing my emotions on my sleeves. But I, I, I'm really bad when it comes to smiling and, and, it, and, it, and it, it stems from childhood. So when I was growing up, um, I didn't smile. I always tried to look hard because I was the, the runt of the litter. I was the smallest kid in the breakdance crew. And I was always trying to, um, I thought that, you know, that smiling was weak. And so I always tried to, to look hard. That's why my furrows are so fucking deep. And I, I just always never, I never smiled. And um, I was insecure about smiling. My teeth were all messed up. And so then as an adult, because I never learned how to smile, um, it didn't work for me, meaning it just uh, people just thought I was a dick. I was an asshole. <laughs> like, why is that guy never smiling in pictures or anything? And um, now that I'm 44, I mean, I'm finally making an effort to change that and to to, to smile and look people in the eye. Um, it smiling is contagious, and it also gives a, a, out a different energy. Oh yeah, it, and so so back to the physiological part. We don't know how or why this happens, but when you make eye contact with someone and you share what's called this this micro moment of a positive emotional experience and it can be three seconds long your nervous system calms down your endocrine system kicks in you start this pulsing of oxytocin dopamine serotonin and it changes the lens that you see the world through from pessimistic to optimistic mm, i love that and I, th I think it's because you don't see the you know we're, we're always um waiting to be you know to, to come across a threat and then our, our fight or flight activating and i think when you smile it neutralizes that it's so true right it's so true i actually have a really cool exercise for you to try that um might be a good um gateway gateway drug if you will to mm -hmm. smiling more yeah. um it's, it's a walking meditation okay. and it's a loving kindness walking meditation. Mm. And the way it works I was, is, I was hoping it would be a pill I could just take, but no, okay. there are other <laughs> kinds of pills. We'll do that when I come and hang out with you in LA. Don't worry. You'll take the, the red ones and the green ones. Okay. Um, so no, this is a loving kindness meditation. And, um, when you walk through the streets, Inside of your head, look at every living being, whether it's a person 
or whether it's a tree or a bush or a flower and say, I love you and wish it well. Um, bestow loving kindness, gratitudes on everybody that passes you by and you will end up doing this like loving dance in your head. It feels so freaking good to, to look at every tree and be like, I hope you grow strong, you know, mm -hmm. like to look at, you know, a kid passing, I hope your day is amazing. And, um, and it, it'll, it'll get you smiling in spite of yourself. I love that. And I want to remind people. So when, you know, when there's exercises like this, where, where you are, um, you know, uh, giving good to other people, wishing them well, forgiving, you know, gratitude, all these, these, these powerful states. A lot of people think that, um, they're, you're, 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 you're giving a gift to someone else, but you're actually giving the gift to yourself because when you're doing this, it changes your state and it makes you, you know, more attractive or it, it lines up stars for you. It's not necessarily that you are, you know, sacrificing and giving to someone else. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's it, so, you know, from a scientific perspective, um, when, when we, when we put ourselves out there in this way, like we're actually broadening our own resources. And it, it has a lot to do with the eyes. I know I keep mentioning eye contact, um, but it actually has to do with your capacity to physically see things differently. Um, the best way I can describe this is if you are walking around and you're in your head and you're thinking about something negative and you're just kind of churning, you literally won't notice details, see colors, you won't physically see the world around you. Mm. If you're connected to yourself and to others, and you're in a state where you're forcing yourself to notice and emote and give of yourself presence, like physical presence of, of being in the world and engaging in the world around you, you'll see more physically. You'll see color. You'll see detail. You might notice a roadside stand that you've never been to and have the best sandwich of your life, you know, where you might strike up a conversation with a person you've never met before. And that'll put you in such a great mood that you're going to go home and greet the person who's there waiting for you. And they're going to be swept off their feet and say, damn, I really love this person. And it's what call, it's called a positivity spiral. Mm -hmm. It just, it expands everything in your world. I love it. I love yeah. it. And it takes work. You know, it, it starts with uh, making a conscious effort to want to lean into that, you know, and, and I, I love the fact that, uh, it, that you actually see see more. It, it's basically mm -hmm. it's noticing um, more in the world uh, because you are choosing to to love. Yes, and it's it's crazy to me that there's such an ocular connection between being open and kind to other humans mm -hmm. and being able to physically see more in the world around you. But I want to go back and I want to get a little bit away. From as far as we can from the binary. When I say binary, I mean this concept that the world is made for one man and one woman and all other relationships are secondary because friendships, chosen family, chosen partners who may not be romantic partners are such an important part of building up your life's durable resources. 
And I thought this would be a fun topic to talk about because I, you, you've written about this recently, about the importance of friends in your life. And it's something that's really important to me. So right. what what changed for you or what happened that made you really have this poignant moment of saying, this is something I need to pay attention to? Um, so I, I, I kind of have um, my past and then, you know, my, my so the line that divides me from the old and new is my divorce. And so. Um, before in my divorce, um, I was running when, or when I was married, I was running a, uh, nightclub in Hollywood and it was super scenic and I had a ton of friends, but I really didn't have any friends. So I knew a lot of people, um, uh, but I didn't have a connection. You know, I was, uh, chasing and I was seeking validation approval. They weren't authentic, uh, connections. They were friends with me because they wanted to get into the supper club. So after the divorce, I had to, um, start all over. And I had nothing to offer people anymore. So I didn't have, you know, the I, I wasn't able to get you on any guest list or into something exclusive. I was just John Kim. And so the friends that I made became authentic because they didn't want anything from me except me. And I realized, and so I was able to compare and contrast, you know, the two different types of connections. And I, I've learned that um, obviously the, the connections I have now with my friends um, is it's a different level. I mean, it's 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 what gets me through the day and it, uh, you know, shoots dopamine in my head and allows me to stretch my heart and, and do life with other people. And it makes my life uh, fulfilled. Yeah. So I'm going to give you the actual definition of what you're talking about right now. And it is love. And it's love is investing in the well-being of another human for their own sake. It's so powerful. It's so powerful to think about from, from a friendship perspective, especially is, you know, when you choose to be on the other end of that phone at 3 a.m., you know, you're investing in another human for their own sake. I, I think overall we're selfish with love. I think we, we, um, we are afraid to really hit the kind of notes that we can um, by opening our hearts. I think we are uh, too scared to give it out. Why do you think that is? What do you think? I mean, so, so let's, let's go, let's talk about a really cool coaching technique. It's called immunity to change. And the concept with immunity to change is that whenever you're, you're holding on to something like that, it's doing something for you. It has some sort of immune function, if you will. And the, the trick to this technique is to get people to understand what that fear is and really work through their worst case scenario and then test the assumption. So Mm -hmm. let's play around with that here. So if you're saying love is selfish, people are stifling themselves for really opening up. What's on the other side of that fear? Are you talking about for people or for me? For you. Um, What's on the other side of that fear as in the the side that's, that's once you overcome the fear or why are you afraid to, to love harder? Why are you afraid to love harder? Um, because I've been burned. Um, because I don't want to feel stupid. Um, because what if it's not reciprocated? So rejection. Rejection. Is on the other side of that fear. Yes. So. And, and, and you know, when you love, you're making yourself vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. And, and when you make yourself vulnerable, you're, you're in such a sensitive, raw state that someone can, um, you know, run tired tracks across <laughs> across your heart yeah so so you've been through this before let's follow it deeper so you make yourself vulnerable 
in a friendship or, or in a relationship and you put out a bid for acceptance or a bid for connection and, and, and rejection happens. Right. 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 What's the worst possible thing? The worst possible thing that can happen in that scenario. Um, they don't, they, well, they don't return the love. And then so. So you experience yeah. rejection. And, right. and so like you're sitting with rejection. What's the worst possible thing that comes from rejection? Uh, just being hurt. Being hurt. Okay. And so then you sit with hurt, right? And so then what's the worst possible thing that comes from that? Um, I think the feeling. The feeling, feeling of it, yeah. So as we're talking about it, and as I'm kind of pushing you to drill down and say, and what's the worst thing, and what's the worst thing, are your feelings about this thing dissipating? Hmm. Um, yes, because I'm able to, uh, as you're talking about it, I'm able to um, um, see it from a distance, see it from a, um, a snow globe perspective. Yeah. I just I just used another um, coaching technique on you. It's the big three. It's when you ask somebody to, to, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? And you make them drill down three times. Mm. Usually what happens at the end of that is you get exactly to the place where you were. Somebody's afraid of pain. And, you know, the fucking worst thing about pain is that you sit there in pain for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, right, right. and then and then it goes away and you get up again and move on with your day thanks for catching part one of love and shit we'll be back next week with more thanks for listening to the catalyst life coaching podcast presented by shift if you'd like to learn more about what you've heard on today's show head to shift.us that's s-h-f-t dot us for more information Feel free to rate us, review us, and tell a friend.